0: Hey, my friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanne LaFleur, and this is season three, episode 15. We're coming to the end of season three. We just have a couple more episodes after today, and I'm so pumped for you to meet James Ruddle on today's podcast. He's a friend of mine. We're from the same church community. We've worked on art and creative projects for a long time, but James is actually the first visual artist we've ever had on Word Made Digital. So it's actually about time that we've done this. It's a podcast for creatives and communicators but we haven't actually had an artist before uh, or this kind of artist so I'm excited for him to be talking to us today about his performance art and looking at painting and how he uses fire as well as part of a tools he uses in front of audiences and we're going to be talking about his film pieces and youtube and also because james is an art teacher he's going to go into teacher mode a little bit and we're going to talk about some of the history of art and the church thanks so much of course to the sponsors and partners who make word made digital possible for season three I want to let you know about the Fluid Young Adults gathering that's happening in just a few weeks. I'm going to be there. I would love to see you there. I want you to join 1,500 young adults at the ninth annual Fluid Young Adults Conference. It's on Saturday, March 7th, 2020, in Toronto. And so it's going to be actually the largest young adults conference in Canada. So if you're in Canada or you're near the Toronto area, can get to Toronto. Maybe if you're even in upstate New York or something, I want you to consider getting here. 2020 guests include best-selling author Rebecca Lyons we have musicians shane and shane pastor mark clark and so many more you can check up the lineup for this conference at fluidgathering.com. As I said, I go to this conference every year. It has made an impact on my life. I would love for you to come, maybe fill a car with people. If you're a young adults pastor or leader, maybe you can rally a bunch of people to come with you. Would love to see you at Fluid Young Adults Gathering. And hey, if you're going, let me know. I'd love to uh, try and meet up with you there. Thanks also, of course, to my friends at Compassion. Compassion is an amazing partner and sponsor of season three of the podcast. And I particularly love what compassion's doing as it's just this year alone seeing 80,000 Canadians being part of life-changing um work through sponsorship, they're helping to transform the lives of 111,000 kids around the world who are living in poverty. And of course, if you're not from Canada, this same kind of work is happening in countries all over the world, US, USA, Australia, I mean, any, anyone in the English-speaking world, there's a Compassion office in your country, and the same kind of work is happening. Compassion's hope is to see lives of children in extreme poverty change, and it also changes the lives of us who are giving and participating in it. And that's why I love it. It doesn't just uh, have an exchange of money. It's actually something that's an exchange of, of time and heart and passion. And uh, it's a, a generous gift both ways. It changes you and it changes a child and their family through child sponsorship. So there's a ton of ways to get involved in the work of compassion. Compassion. You can sponsor a child. There's gifts you can give to urgent needs, things that are happening in the world right now. And also you can attend an event or volunteer. Maybe you've never thought about that. But there's actually an amazing event coming up really soon all across Canada that is connected to Compassion. I'd love for you to know about and maybe you want to volunteer at. There is a four King and Country Canadian Tour coming up in March 2020. And they're going to be stopping at cities all across Canada. So the tickets for this are sold out. You cannot get tickets. But if you still want to go and hear this amazing show, then maybe you want to connect by doing that through Compassion and Serving. So if you want to volunteer, they're going to be in Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver, you can email volunteer at compassion.ca today to find out more. And the link for that, of course, is in the show notes. And hey, if you're just looking to volunteer in general with what Compassion is doing locally and around the world, compassion.ca slash volunteer. And as always, I make sure that there's a link in there for international people listening. If you're outside of Canada, we have a link there for you to see how you can get involved with Compassion. Finally, My friends at Wycliffe College. I just spent a little bit of time there this week and reminded again of the amazing seminary and uh, what they're offering to students. It's an evangelical graduate school at the University of Toronto. So you can get a certificate, a master's, a doctoral study program. Maybe you just want to take a course and expand yourself as a disciple of Jesus, as a leader, or um, as a learner. So Wycliffe is a place where they really are desiring to hear God's voice. They prioritize the Word of God and the scriptures and they're looking to grow and shape disciples of Jesus. They are equipping men and women of all ages. They've done it for me as well when I was a student there and continue to do so in many ways actually. And so I'd love you to consider Wycliffe College if you're looking at learning more about theology. WycliffeCollege.ca slash word made digital. There's a link in the show notes and you can see why I chose the school, how it made an impact on my life, and really how it continues to make an impact on my life. So, without further ado, I would love for you to hear this conversation and interview with my friend, James Rattle.
1: Welcome to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 3, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go.
0: James, thanks so much for joining me on Word Made Digital. I'm glad to finally get in the same conversation with you about this, because I know you've been a listener for a little while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited I'm I just feel blessed and honored to be on your podcast, uh, listening to all of um, your, your different podcasts. I've, I've sort of envisioned what it would look like, uh, if you actually talk to an artist. And, um, I, I definitely am humbled and honored to be, uh, your first sort of fine artist yeah. on,
0: on your well, podcast. That's it. It's about time, right? I'm sure you're saying that it's about time. We talk to a fine artist. So tell us yeah. as we dive into this, um, how would you describe what your work is? What's your life- like, what does your life look like in your career?
1: Um, so first and foremost, uh, I am a teacher um, and I've, I guess that's my actual profession. Uh, since 2007, uh, I've been a art teacher. Uh, I'm the head of art at Bill Crowther's Secondary School. And in that journey of being an art teacher, I've also tried to give it a go and be a professional artist. Um, And so what that looks like is um, for a period of time after graduating from art school, I I really tried to get on the bandwagon of uh, gallery shows and trying to promote James Ruddle and sort of my brand, um, my painting and all of that sort of didn't work out. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, I guess didn't work out. You know, I, I, I just never was able to get on the gallery scene. Um, I'm not uh, a typical schmoozer. <laughs> I don't really love going Yeah, out. the
0: business of art, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not
1: I'm it's not that I'm not friendly. It's just, you know, I, I don't know if I have what it takes to go to all the events and to talk to the people that need to be talked to and to maybe butter some of those people up (laughs) in in a politically correct way.
0: Um,
1: And so, you know, that that never really worked out for me. Um, And it wasn't until about 2013 that uh, God sort of broke me down and he had a better— path and a better idea and a better sort of dream for me, I guess we could say. Hmm.
0: So I want to get to that, um, like sort of where like the, there was this turn in your life, um, where sort of I think your faith and your art intersected in a, in a new way but can you go back because when, when we first met um, we come from the same church community I've seen and been able to experience a lot of your work uh, live and, other, and like you know your finished work or your work that you're performing live tell us about what you studied in school because you have some really interesting I want to hear some of these stories uh, with you about some of the stuff you did when you were in your early 20s as part of your like really like your university studies.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so uh you know interesting bit of information. I failed uh painting in third year university. Um oh wow so this this actually How do you goes...
0: fail painting? <laughs> like you oh, just, you just... <laughs> Didn't do it?
1: <laughs> I, no, I, I, I actually worked really, really hard at painting because that's all I really liked. Um, and I was planning on painting. I was planning on being a painter. And my professors, uh, God bless her, uh, she told me that I was doing the same thing that other painters have been doing for generations even though she was an abstract painter. Mm. <laughs> so, and I was more of a surrealist or realist or hyper-realist. Um, and uh, you know what? It was actually probably the best um, failure of my life because it actually changed my, my path and trajectory um, mm. to, to what I do today. Um, I, I remember telling her in my third year that I I wanted to paint frescoes in churches. And she was yeah. just like, that's that's a dead art. You're, you're never going to paint in churches. Um, so I still remember uh, some of my profs saying that to me. Uh, but, I mean, from a, a young age of about 13, 14, I always just dreamed of painting inside churches. Um, so. That and did you of,
0: come from like a Christian background? Like, did you were you in churches dreaming of this at the time?
1: Absolutely. So I'm yeah. I'm from a strict sort of brethren background, um, which is kind of ironic because uh, the only art that was on, on the walls were uh, "He shall bear the glory." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the okay. typical yeah. Protestant graffiti uh, art graffiti um and then i think there were two hands praying okay <laughs> so yeah, you know yeah. uh, i think uh, if anyone is from hamilton listening i went to bethany gospel chapel which was the ugly purple church all painted in purple <laughs> um and so so yeah like i think as a as a young kid i just like whenever people were singing it's not that i didn't like music i just uh i always just imagined, you know, angels. And I imagined like, you know, the Bible stories on the walls of the church. And I was just like, why doesn't our church have this? Yeah. You know? Um, And so interestingly enough, when I went to university and I studied the history of art and, and all that stuff, I realized that I was just from the wrong denomination in the Christian realm for art. So, you know.
0: Like there were Christians out there doing this. You just didn't, you hadn't been exposed to it.
1: For centuries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: As it it turned out for centuries.
1: (laughs) I I was just from like the Protestant, you know, sort of Reformation, evangelical movement that was, uh, I guess, trying to reform from the Christian iconography of the Catholic sort of that, that era and that, that way of thinking. Um, and it, it's really funny when, when thinking about this with you, um, I just thought how interesting your podcast is the word made digital. And that is so typical of like the Protestant way of thinking. Whereas, you know, if it was a Catholic, if this was a Catholic podcast, it would be the word made or, or the uh, the gospel made in images.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah.
1: It, like, I, I don't have the best way of saying it, but like, you know, if you look at early Christian art and you look at um, how the Catholic sort of stream of building cathedrals and putting art on a pedestal and how... Uh, because all of early cultures, like the only way of learning was through pictures, oral and through pictures. And the written word was just, it was the hardest, (laughs) hardest thing to grasp because people, well, first off, they didn't speak Latin. And so like, you know, that's why all the sort of great, biblical story stories were narrated through images on the walls of churches you know um and it started like with like in the first century in the catacombs Mm -hmm. Uh, they they would like graffiti like just etching terrible drawings of like these biblical narratives Mm -hmm. to educate the people who you know who who wanted to hear about jesus and that is one of the ways that Christianity just spread like wildfire through images, you know. And it wasn't until the Reformation that the word actually became something that was that was um,
0: accessible.
1: Accessible, and, and also, yeah, obviously the printing press, but also just like the Reformation, the the whole Protestant movement was like, no, the word is important. Like, we're gonna totally move away from images because the Catholics pretty much made these icons and these images almost like idols. Right. Like in the Old Testament. It became
0: more about the image than like the story of the God behind the
1: image. Absolutely. The art became the idol. It was no longer about Jesus Christ. It was about the art. And like you just have to look at like the Vatican City and like this huge boom After the Reformation, it's like you've got Bernini, you've got like all of these unbelievable sculptures and and paintings on the wall that were really developed to create this awe and wonder so that people stopped talking about some of the issues that were actually at hand.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, And, and, and and there's an interesting thing in the midst of what you're saying, too, around. Um, not just how thinking changed, how like, how religious people were interacting with art, but the technology side of it was so huge. Even as I'm saying, like the as we refer to the word "made digital" podcast, that there's something so that art and creativity is so tied to like what the technology of the day is. Um, Absolutely in in something not particularly art related but i saw i was i was recently in england and i was in you know a place where they're showing some historic work and there was this there was a just an old old letter and they the paper i learned what they were the commentary on this letter that had all it had writing going like one way and then the person had turned it a quarter turn and written the other way if that makes any sense so it was like a like a like a (laughs) writing at two angles, um, like on top of itself. So you had to kind of look through one line of writing in order to read the other. Maybe it's hard to explain without maybe showing it. But the point is that they were doing that because paper was so expensive. And so and so they couldn't afford a second piece of paper, they would just write the next page on top of the first in a different direction. So you had to kind of figure out what the person was saying to you and and I mean that's not art that's writing but in the same way I I'm sure that would translate to all kinds of technologies that art has always evolved with what was available to use
1: absolutely yes for sure and I think that's why um artists today are are having to change and, and adapt and you know um famous author once wrote that painting is dead um Mm -hmm. and that was that was as a result of sort of the daguerreotype and the camera and sort of he he had envisioned that you know the act of painting or like you know people going to galleries and looking at paintings was going to be non-existent because of photography Mm -hmm. and as a result of photography painting has just had to change and if you look at all art movements they they've just adapted and we've changed and we have actually had to as artists have have had to move above the curve above what is trending of the time and to innovate and change and do things in in different sort of ways Mm -hmm. right um and so I think that that is going to be the way of the future for professional fine artists, at least, uh, we're going to have to adapt and change and, and do things differently. So that kind of comes into my education. Um, the first question that you actually asked me. No,
0: it's great. I want this conversation (laughs) Uh, to meander wherever it needs to go.
1: No, that's, that's perfect. So, so I, I went to school, um, having studied and, and loved uh, early Christian art. Um, I mean, my favorite painters were, um, Caravaggio, Michelangelo, Leonardo, all of the, the main Ninja Turtles, right? (laughs) No, the the main Renaissance guys and the Baroque artists. And so as a young guy, my parents would buy me, um, all kinds of unbelievable painting books. And, and I, I, I was self-taught, um, I painted for hours and hours in my bedroom. My my eldest sister, she was also an artist. She went to uh, art school as well. And I'm four years younger than her. And so a lot of her learning, I sort of just took on. And I loved to see her painting um, in our living room and just learning what she was learning. And it really influenced me to do to do, um, and to, to become an artist. Um, and I played water polo, so I, I was very, um, let's just say competitive
0: (laughs) and yeah. For people who don't know you, you're this annoying person who's really good at a bunch of different things. (laughs) Like you're the guy who you're not just an artist. You're so talented in fine art, but then you also, uh, like run, Marath triathlons, you know, without barely any preparation time, like you're a real athlete as well, which I think is kind of an interesting, you don't usually see people who are um, so good at art, also so good at athleticism. Maybe you you disagree because you're more in the art world than me, but I haven't seen many people like you.
1: Yeah, well, I I think it it definitely owns to to what I do and what I've accomplished is because I'm so competitive. Like I just Mm -hmm. have this this drive, this desire to be the best, which God sort of broke down in 2013 with Uh me. Um, But, um, you know, like that is definitely why I sort of went to art school is like I actually got into Mac for. Uh, playing water polo. And it just ah. so happened that I was only good at art in in high school. <laughs> Those were my best marks. So I, you know, I yeah, let's do fine arts. Um, and so so when I went into fine arts, like, you know, uh, as a as a as a student, I, I was not very successful in many courses. And but in art, I never really failed um, until it was this third year painting class. And uh, one of my professors, Graham Todd, uh, who was a sculpture prof, um, he just took me aside and he said, you know what, James, he's a, a wonderful Englishman." man. Uh, he, he said, um, I really believe that you, um, you can do something, but you have to think of art from a way of innovation not of copying. Wow. And I like, I sort of took that to heart. And I sort of just hit the books. And I started studying not just art of the past, but also art of art that revolutionized art. So uh, we're talking about like 1970 uh, performance artists and um, conceptual artists. So guys like Vito Acconci, who one of his pieces was standing on a chair, stepping up and down, like, for a whole day. And he recorded this, and he called it art. And I was shocked and angered, and I wondered why I had this, like, visceral reaction to something um, as simple as walking up and down, a chair. Yeah. And, and I was just like, well, if that makes me angry, I'm an artist, like that's going to make other people angry. Right. And so then I got into this, this whole realm of contemporary performance art. And I found a guy named Chris Burden and Chris Burden. Uh, he's about 10, 15. Uh, what was he? Um, he might be in his 60s now. So, you know, maybe 30 years older than me. But in 19, I think it was 1970, he did a piece when he was at the University of Los Angeles called Five Day Locker Piece. And he actually locked himself in a locker and had water above him. And then he had a catheter attached to to another like water container that was empty. And he just sat there and um, he called it art. And it was sort of people were angry. He was in the L.A. Times. Um, He also did a a piece called um, uh, Crucifixion on a Volkswagen Beetle, where he crucified himself on a Volkswagen Beetle, um, which was crazy um, at the time. um, But he called it art. And again, that angered me. And I was I didn't know why, but I was like so interested in the idea that contemporary art can evoke such emotion, whether negative or positive. And I was just like, it seems to be very engaging. And so at this time, I was writing my pre-thesis um, and uh, I was hoping to do my thesis on fresco painting. And uh, that, that was turned down. So my next thought was like, hey, like, let's do performance art huh. and see where it takes me. I, I saw a piece called um, Entrapped, and it, it was a George Gross painting or print from 1917. And it was him in this this cell. And all these cameras were looking at him. He was a Jew in um, pre world war ii germany and he was just thrown in prison but his art was so um, powerful it was so simple and i thought you know what i like chris burden's work i like george gross's work i'm gonna see if i can put myself in a box for three days And so that's where the box idea came from, and and the actual idea was to just sort of sit in this box and live in the student center for three days and not have any communication with the outside world. try to do something inside the box that was kind of creative. Um, so you had
0: the, this box was in like a public space
1: Yes, totally public space, so I had to um apply through um, health and safety at McMaster University. Oh, I yeah. had to write a grant proposal. I had to fund it all myself. I had to get permission from the dean. I had to get permission from my professors. And this Graham Todd, my professor of sculpture, said, you know what, James, you, you should probably tape it. Hmm. And I was like- You mean uh, like film it or? Like film it, yeah, film it. Oh, okay. It. And I didn't, I didn't have a camera. Um, so this was, this was 2003. Um, so I asked for a camera for Christmas from my parents and they bought me a camera and I, uh, went to, um, a store downtown Toronto, uh, beside the black market. And I bought like a, this old school surveillance camera that just (laughs) shot in black and white onto VHS tapes. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'll put that inside and then I'll have a TV on the outside and I'll be like having a live stream so that people can see on the outside what I'm doing. Um, And uh, so I did that and I had a buddy of mine with my, my camcorder just sort of uh, interview people on the outside to see what they thought. And it was unbelievable, the the reaction, the amount of people that came to see it. Um, it actually totally changed the way that I think about art and the way that I think about interaction of the public, and it transformed my whole craft. And I, I sort of was like, you know what, I, I just have to do art that's performative, that engages the public, and that um, somehow gets public involved um and so this is kind of like pre-youtube yeah but it had the same sort of concept you know like it was a video there was like um there was a place where you could leave your comments on the outside of the the box and i said please don't talk to kick or touch interact with the box and then i had kids all write things down after like and you were
0: painting hours. or something. On the inside, you were, you were drawing or the painting. Yeah, yeah, I painted
1: the whole time on the inside. Because I was like, you know, I, I don't want to just sit here for three days. So I was like, ah, I might as well just paint. And the amount of people that wrote on this 4 by 30 inch uh, piece of plywood, it was f- full within two or three hours. So wow. people just started writing and graffiti on the outside of the box. And that was not the intention. And then they started talking to me and asking me to come in, asking to come into the box. And I was like, "Man, this is cool." Um, and so then I did it uh, the next year. I lived in a, a six by six by six foot box for six days. Uh, but the whole idea and concept changed. It was actually about just getting public interaction. Hmm. And I had like a old school speaker's corner um, set up so that people could come and interview. And I still have the VHS tapes in my basement. There's there's probably 30 VHS tapes of, of kids just sort of talking about what they thought about art and uh, also video of me actually creating the art inside these boxes. And I've done it uh, two more times at uh, a high school up in Keswick. Um, and then all of my art sort of since then has been... In the same vein of trying to engage uh, the public with interacting with art,
0: right? And so, um, as a non-artist, you know, I'm I'm not someone I'm uh, not trained in art in the way you are. So I'm trying to come up with like the layman's definition of performance art. But it sounds like in many ways, performance art you're doing you're creating an art. So art created in front of people in such a way that it elicits response interaction engagement um, in you yeah. know in a piece that's moving like it's not like in the same way as a painting hung on a wall where people would engage with that but there's something about performing it, that there's something happening in the moment that people are experiencing emotion connected to
1: Absolutely. And I think that all comes back to Jackson Pollock. Jackson Mm. Pollock was like one of the first guys to actually record himself painting. He was called an action painter, right? Okay. And people found it fascinating how he built up layers and and watching him. And obviously, we all know who Bob Ross is. But I mean, Bob (laughs) Ross. The legend. Yeah, he's a legend. But he revolutionized the way that tutorials are done and just like people just find it so soothing to listen to him speak, but also to watch him paint. And like there's there's guys that are doing like, you know, I'm sure people, uh, some of the listeners have seen people on um, America's Got Talent. There's There's been a couple speed painters. And so that's sort of the avenue of what I have become. I, I do much more performative painting, speed painting, performative installation art that engages people that allows them to be part of the process of create, creating art.
0: Huh. So before we move, I want to talk about this, you know, the, the ch- sort of the pivotal change uh, you talk about in 2013 for your life and relationship of this to the church. But I'm so curious because it's just been coming up a ton on my newsfeed. We're recording this in December 2019. And there was this, the banana with the duct tape, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So I know you should talk about so, Yeah, so uh, you probably know more about than me, but there was some sort of art that was a banana taped to a wall, and then someone came in as a performative artist and ate the banana. Now I don't yeah, know the details. Like if this was 000. all uh, t- tell us about. Like for for non artists, I mean, a banana taped to a wall cost costing a hundred fifty thousand dollars seems like offensive
1: <laughs> it, that's an emotion like what it, well I mean if if you look at the history of art then um, you have to realize that artists are are trying to push the boundaries right we're, mm-hmm. we're constantly trying to innovate trying to push the boundaries trying to challenge people's perceptions of what art is like mm-hmm. art obviously in early Christian art was about educating and telling a narrative then art moved to sort of propaganda if you look at like napoleon and like some of the french leaders and great war heroes you know art is propaganda second world war like there's art all over the place right and it wasn't until like the invention of the camera and sort of like this modern art movement that art started to become because we no longer had the attention of everybody, you know, like people were listening to the radio, going to movies, TV.
0: Yeah. It's all split. It's not everyone looking at the same thing anymore.
1: Absolutely. So artists have, have had to try and, and, um, do things that disrupt culture. Hmm. And so this is just, it's no different than when, uh, Duchamp put the urinal on the gallery wall in 1917 and, and, and signed his name Armut, it challenged people's perspective on what art was, right? Mm-hmm. People were outraged that, that Duchamp would have done this, that he would put a urinal in an art gallery. Um, but like the banana with duct tape is no different, you know, like or, or Banksy's work that sort of uh, it, it was all um, shredded when the person bought it. It's no yeah. different, it causes a reaction and it also creates that art, this, the sale of art. It it sort of belittles the sale of art, but it also causes a widespread outrage. And it's also made this guy who's the performance artist, like everybody's looking at him and asking well, why did you do it? And he's like, well, I did it as a performance piece yes. to, to send a message, to tell people that, you know, art is nothing, but it's everything.
0: Huh.
1: Right? It's, it's, it's actually nothing. We've, we've sort of.
0: And they didn't collaborate. That's my understanding. These two artists weren't like in it behind the scenes together. No. The guy who taped it to the wall and the guy who ate it are not friends. (laughs) friends. (laughs) I would imagine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, it's, it's amazing. Like it's actually caused this controversy controversy, which is exactly the intention of eating the banana and the guy who put the banana on the wall, right? It's yeah. causing controversy. It's causing people to actually dialogue and talk about what art actually means, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing for a lot of artists is like just to have the conversation. Right. It's not so much about what the art was. It's, it's about the conversation and the, the conversations after the fact. And the fact that it opens up people's minds to either hating it or starting to come around to see, okay, well, I can kind of see that that might be considered art. Now, do I respect it? Probably not, or maybe not, but I can still see how an artist would think that that is creative because no one else has done it, even though someone else has done something like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm hearing in in the whole conversation we're having so far there's all these if you know for those of us who are listening we're listening with this church Christian ear and so we're hearing you say so much stuff that can be applied to creative work in the church or creative work even for causing the public to ask questions about god be bothered be disturbed be feel some sort of emotion positive or negative connected to god but let's talk about that in the context of like this uh this turning point in your own life whatever you do or don't want to share about that um Mm -hmm. that uh that's kind of changed your work as an artist in a christian context
1: yeah for sure Um, Well, uh, as you know, I I go to Sanctus Church, and Pastor John um, has been a pastor who has really tried to disturb people's preconceptions of what Christianity is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think um, growing up in a fairly conservative um, assembly, I knew who Jesus was. Um, I certainly knew the word. Uh, I memorized many verses. I, I knew exactly what the Bible was all about. But we never really talked about the Holy Spirit. And um, back in 2013, uh, you know, some significant things happened in my life, and I was able to experience the Holy Spirit and the power of. Um the power of the Holy Spirit in a new and um, life-changing way. Um, I went from thinking that the Bible was an amazing book of stories to understanding the truth and the power of, of who God was. Mm. And that humbled me. Um, it also changed... Um, I guess the direction of my life in terms of understanding that I'm actually not here living my life for James Ruddle anymore. Um, Well, obviously, I am me and I'm going to live and do the things that I do because God has given me those talents and those aspirations and goals and loves of art. Um, I think that my perception of how God works has, has actually changed and just helped me to understand the power of the Christian gospel.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, in and, some ways, it sounds like, uh, you know, you were a religious person, and then you really met God in like a more personal Relate in the classic, like the personal relationship with God, but like not the cheesy way, the real, powerful, life changing way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like for years, I I did a lot of searching. I mean, I I looked at all kinds of different spirituality and religions, and I studied. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I've I've I love about my background is like you know the word and and also like understanding scriptures and reading and researching is super important. Um, But there was just never that actual personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, And it's actually incredible. And it's so relieving as an artist to have like a faith structure where the Holy Spirit can actually empower you, and give you ideas. Because from my perspective, working with churches and painting live um, during worship, without that Holy Spirit connection, I have, like, I definitely would not have been able to create some of the pieces of art that I've created. Mm. And so, like, yes, I have built up skills i've built up in understanding and knowledge of art how to create good art how to use the elements and principles of art and design but i do believe that the holy spirit has given me not a superpower but like it has he's actually inspired me to create some of the most effective and interesting works of art that i couldn't have imagined without the, the holy spirit
0: yeah i mean um I, I don't know all the details of this stuff, but, I mean, so many there's so many stories of how this has played out for you. Uh, I, you and I were at a conference, I think I was speaking at it, and you were doing performance art at this conference. And yeah. I don't remember the details of it, but the gist of it, and I'm sure this has happened to you many times, that it sounded like you had painted or done you'd done some piece of this part of the work on day one of the conference, and then I think you, like, Went home Like you went back to the hotel, you went to sleep, and you had something in your dreams that you felt had to be integrated into day two of the piece. Yeah. And and then you didn't know that that was like so tied to what the speaker in that session was going to talk about. And you were visualizing it in your dreams before you even painted it, uh, before you knew from the speaker that they were going – to be talking about whatever. That, and I don't know all the details. The Details aren't even the point, but that yeah. God was speaking to you and speaking to them in a way that would connect with a whole community of people at that conference. is amazing.
1: <laughs> it, absolutely. And I mean, I, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, because I mean, like it actually just happened at the last conference that uh, I was at. Um, I had an interview with the leader who was sort of in charge of developing the whole, the whole conference. And, um, she was just like, would you be interesting, interested in painting? And I, I said, you know, like, sure. Um, and as I'm driving down the highway, I get this picture of like shattered glass mm-hmm. and like a broken image of like just like perfect, Nature, and like huh. conceptually, that that makes sense um if you can see what I see in my head. But um she was just like, "Like, do you know anything about this conference?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, like, I've never talked. Like, I I don't know anything about it." And she's just like, "Well, it's actually about you know sh- like being broken and then God making us new, a new creation from it. Like that was literally the theme of the conference." And I was like, "Oh man." And and so the theme, like, was just shown to me by the Holy, revealed to me, I guess, by the Holy Spirit in this way that I just can't, I can't actually explain it other than the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's these connections all throughout the last like six years of my art career that can't be explained any other way. Um and I know there's definitely skeptics out there that will be like, well, you know, like these are all like coincidence. And coincidence anyone could have. Well,
0: brokenness is a theme of the Bible. So Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And like, but but I mean, those experiences on top of my biblical foundation just reinforce my desire and my love and my my heart for sharing the gospel through art yeah
0: well can you tell us a little bit about i mean we've done a few projects together over the years um but there's one that always stands out to me and i think you i think you'll probably know it's the it's the cross with the words and uh afterwards i'm gonna link the video for this i'll link it in the show notes so people can see what this came together to look like in the end but can you want to tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah sure um so, I mean, this this was actually around 2013 when I first had my sort of uh, some, some prayers with some of the pastors at our church. And for almost a month, I was getting this weird dream. And uh, every night I was dreaming of this weird cross. And uh, the cross had all these parts. And I didn't know the number of the parts. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure of what the parts meant and every single night I had this same dream Mm -hmm. and God was revealing in these dreams like this physical sculpture and like I, I sort of kept ignoring it and I was I was ignoring it and I was ignoring it and then one day I woke up probably around three four in the morning and I I just had this desire to like draw out this this concept because it was more of a concept but it was like it had all the parts that were built and it sort of had the design in in the actual um yeah. the dream it's not
0: all the fine details of how it was going to work it was just sort yeah. of like the but basic just, sketch yeah, the basic
1: yeah. sketch and the basic forms and the shapes and 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 so I drew it and um I think I drew maybe six or seven pages in a sketchbook. And it had all these parts and it was on fire. And I mean that's a lot pretty, of pretty typical yeah. of my work. But yeah, there's a lot of
0: fire. Know. We haven't actually even talked about that. There's a lot of fire involved in James's work.
1: <laughs> I'm such a pyro, but um it was it was funny, like and it was uh just like and then I got this number 21 and I, I don't know why I got number 21. Um, and then I got like all these sins, like, like literal, like, like sins. And I started writing like them envy down. Envy and
0: pride and lust. Yeah, and Yeah. Like, uh, all,
1: know, uh, like, seven, whatever. like all the seven deadly sins, but then more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, um, and then the next page, like I started like writing down, like, like uh, tongues and like uh, love and like all these other words and I didn't know what to do with it Um, but I, I kept getting this sort of Holy Spirit sort of urging me to to give it to like our our lead pastor and say you know just give it to him and have him pray over it and So I gave my sketchbook to John and I just said, hey, John, like, I don't know what you want, uh, what I should do with this, but I I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. And uh, I guess John read through it and he read through some of the scripture because I'd written a whole bunch of scripture on it as well. Um, And he read through it and he gave it back to me a couple days or maybe a week or two later. And he just said, you know, like, I think you're supposed to build it. And I was like, oh. Wow uh, okay. Um.
0: <laughs> and so what I mean at this point what it's looking like is a large cross like lar- yeah. like larger a than 14, 14 yeah, larger cross. than humans uh, yeah. and then there's these p- almost like I'd, it's not but for the sake of describing it like almost like puzzle pieces that make the cross up uh, yeah. that make this giant cross with these words um, yeah. on on the cross.
1: Yes and all the I ha, I had in the drawing all these these lines that were like going to the cross and then all these like puzzle pieces sort of fit together and they're they're like moving towards the cross and um yeah, like it was, it was, yeah. it was crazy. And then I started building it in my backyard, a 14 foot cross.
0: <laughs> what did the neighbors backyard. think? I lo- Maybe they're used to it with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think they were kind of used to it because um, I have a two car garage and my studio's in there and I'm always out there painting. But I had never done like a big, massive sculpture since I moved to Pickering and um, so we started building that. And then um, I, I don't know the series of events, but you, you had linked me up with Maddie Hapoya and yeah. yourself, and then you guys had written um, or, or found the most amazing version of the even evangelistic gospel message yeah. in like less than three minutes or something. Yeah. Um, but we were like, but even
0: working backwards from that, the, when we began talking about you know the concept essentially of this giant cross with these negative words on it uh and then um the like these negative words being kind of put, like drawn into the cross like pulled onto the cross and then yeah. um and then something spectacular happening probably fire and then yeah. all and then what remains is like the the gifts of the holy spirit so you know like the gifts of mercy and the gifts of teaching and prophecy and you know all the gifts and, uh, so originally our conversation, we were like, okay, this is a performative piece. What would it yeah. look like if we did this on like Easter Sunday in the main auditorium of the church? Cause we were at yeah. one location as a church at that time. So we were all gathered in one place and we were imagining like strings being drawn from every corner of the ceiling and the walls. And then we just realized like, if this doesn't work, it's a disaster. Like, you get one shot to do this right on cam- like on, on a live yeah. experience. And if it doesn't work, like, it's just a big, big fail. Where well, then we move to, well, what medium can we use? And this is tying back to what you said earlier in your earlier days of performing art. What can we do with a camera? Like, what can yeah. we do to to film this thing in a way that tells the same story, but we can make sure it through the power of editing (laughs) make sure it works perfectly um to give people the exact same uh experience not exact but a similar experience of it that we have a bit more control over
1: (laughs) totally because there were pulleys there were like There were so many ropes. Yeah,
0: (laughs) we had like like, we had I think we had like twenty volunteers pulling on all these ropes. We're in the middle of a forest. We're filming this thing, and then there were fireworks that were blowing up everywhere. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it
1: was such (laughs) such a good project. I I I would love to do another one like that someday.
0: Yeah, let's find Um, another. Let's James and I'm I'm feeling inspired. Let's find. We're gonna find something else in 2020. Let's find something. Amazing to pull off together.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, but I, I, I think you bring up like uh, an amazing point, um, just in terms of like risk management, right? Yeah. I, th- I think so much of the time, going back to like art history, but also going back to the church, I think a lot of churches today fear like failure or fear the artist because like you don't know what you're gonna get yeah and it's true
0: like we need a sure thing and it's got to be done at the time the service
1: ends <laughs> yeah and it's got to be branded the way that our churches are branding things yeah. and all of yeah. all of these aspects that you know in our contemporary world we think about um, but I think um, one of the things like as as a church, like it was amazing to have the opportunity as just like a professional practicing artist, have the church be like, yeah, let's, let's go with it. Let's try it. Mm -hmm. And you know what, if it fails, it fails, but like at least let's have the opportunity because I think the power of that video now is that it's got this passive um, ability to reach people for the, the next 10, 15
0: years. Yeah, you know, well, like it it's wasn't a, a one-time performance. performance. It can be performed 100%. over and over. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so
0: true. It's so true. And some of that just happened, and yeah. some of it we thought about in advance. Like some, I don't think we knew. In, in relative scale, I mean, our church in the Canadian context is larger, but in the global context, is not so big Um, you know we're in a few thousand people in a few sites and uh, so what I mean by that is like most of our videos don't have huge huge hits on them Um, but this particular video seems to have resonated and churches now all over the world are asking can we use this in our Sunday services or in our Easter experiences or whatever you know and we're able to you know share this video uh, with them and then it's gone to places we never would have expected
1: yeah, uh, which is really absolutely. cool so well, and i think that's the power of art right mm-hmm. uh art speaks and like whether whether eric hutchins spoke in english or in spanish i think the power of the video is 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 there because the art was well done. The video was shot so well that it it, it actually speaks across language. Yeah. And that's what that's what great art does or good art does. Is it actually you don't need a language that it's powerful enough with the message that that you can actually reach people that don't speak or read your language?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so in in this sense, I mean, we're saying it in many ways through this whole conversation, um, but maybe for you to encourage or challenge artists who are listening, uh, how can artists serve the church? And then part B is how can a church serve artists? But first, how can artists serve the church?
1: Well, I think um, the hardest part for artists is going to be to just put themselves out there. Um, I think so many people feel fear about the quality of their work or their ideas or whether it's going to get turned Mm. down. And I I just think that like, if, if it's actually uh, from the Holy spirit, if it's, if it's meant to be for the time, for the place, for the people of the church. um, And that's why I made the comment about what is trending isn't always what is relevant to the Mm. people at the church. Like there's so many churches out there that are, you know, in, you know, rural areas that are not hipster churches and yet they have hipster branding and so like if there's <laughs> artists within a church that is like rural you know let's try and do art that is relevant to you context, and yeah. yeah your context your people yeah, so um, things don't have to be like you know hillsong quality or hillsong look because you don't live in australia
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, it's good. It's and, really good.
1: And, and, and so I think that's where artists need to to not fear um, that uh, you know give the ideas out with, um, especially if you're a Christian, with the knowledge that if your church and the Holy Spirit wants to use the work, they will. Mm. And and so from a church's perspective, I think the most important thing is is to realize that we have. Artists all over the place. We have young artists, we have old artists, we have professionals, we have you know high school artists. I think just to give opportunity for artists, like the church was the place where art was, um, mentored, developed, where it was it was bought, and um, I think sometimes at too high a price. But the opportunity for artists would not, I I mean, art wouldn't have developed the way that it did if it weren't for the church. Mm -hmm. And if we could get back to that, if we could get back to um, allowing churches or allowing leadership within the church to risk having a bad piece of art out every once in a while, you never know who that person will become as a result of being able to show their art or Mm -hmm. to be able to be used as a volunteer in a video or or something like that. I think so often we think everything has to be refined professional and of a certain type of quality. But like we're the church at the end of the day. We're about the people. And so yeah.
0: create space for create artists space to grow for
1: all kinds. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that's where the evangelical North American church has has been so behind, but I think we are gaining that, um, space, especially with Instagram and like all these platforms. I think church leaders are now giving some of those platforms in those areas, um, well, to- like
0: in the visual culture, right? Like the yeah. visual, the, so much of our world now is visual. We have, um, the, I mean the Instagram stuff is like the prime example of like people want to see pictures not just yeah. words. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, um two more things. One is just tell us a little bit about why you've been using YouTube as a platform for your own work or showcasing your work. Why have you been using that lately? Or what do you hope to what do you hope to 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 do with it in the future? Maybe you haven't done it yet.
1: So, I think from a um a creative standpoint. I love the idea of YouTube because because it allows you know everybody, no matter who you are, to have a voice. And I think specifically for me, I want to use my voice um, of a teacher, of a father, of a dad, of an artist yeah. to send positive messages of hope and of light. Um, I mean, my whole body of work in the last couple of years deals with hope and light and fire and, and sort of the grace of Jesus Christ. Um, but in in this open forum, YouTube is just such an amazing way to reach people from different countries, not, not mm-hmm. just people in my neighborhood, not just my students. But um, I just felt like after talking with Maddie Hipoya, And him sort of telling me, you know, like, you're creating the content anyway. You might as well explain it. But he gave me such great wisdom because he's like, people want to hear your voice. They don't want to just see your art. And so from a, a fear perspective and a pride perspective, like, I never wanted to be the face. I never wanted to talk. I was always sort of worried about like stuttering and not being able to read well, um, because that's sort of my history. Um, And I never thought I'd be a great personality on YouTube, but I mean, Maddie just sort of gave me such confidence to, to suggest that people don't always care about the art, but they'll learn to care about you and they'll learn to enjoy the art if there's a face and if a there's person, someone, and a
0: personality behind and a
1: personality it, yeah. and someone giving yeah. context to the art. Yeah. And I mean, when I wrote my thesis, my whole my whole philosophy was to be the face, but to be able to be there to explain the art. And so YouTube is just an amazing way because I can actually explain the art that I'm creating for people. Yeah. And so it's it's interactive. It's it's. Um,
0: and see the process too, stimulated. as you say, the Bob Ross for yeah. 2020, the yeah. making of the painting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and what I'm just trying to figure out is, do I want short short form? Do I want long form? Yeah. Like how long is too long? How short is too short? Yeah. You know, like because I, I feel like um from and a you'll video, learn that what
0: your audience top, wants. I guess the more you produce, you'll figure out what people absolutely. Yeah, and just because you've mentioned him a few times, just as a, I better say who, Maddie Hapoya, uh, we interviewed him in season one. If you don't know that name, he's a a YouTuber. I don't know what he has today. He's maybe 800,000 followers on YouTube. So he has made a career at this point. On YouTube, but in the past, he worked with me at our church when I also worked there until recently. Uh, And he and I worked together for a few years doing film and creative work at church. Uh, and that's where we got to do that cool project with the cross and the puzzle pieces coming together in the forest. And, uh, anyways, he's become like a real mentor in all things YouTube to a few of us. He's yeah. all the time. He's telling me to go on YouTube. I haven't done it yet. Maybe 2020 is my year. <laughs> I don't know. But, anyways, <laughs> I love that TikTok you're doing your it. Year?
1: <laughs> uh, it a TikTok, this year?
0: TikTok, man. There's so many <laughs> platforms. That's the thing, and that's why I bring it up because it's like overwhelming all these platforms. You have to. You, know, you can't do them all well. It could be a full-time job just managing these platforms. So
1: Absolutely. I love that
0: you're using YouTube and, like, leaning into that. I think it makes a ton of sense for you yeah, as an well, artist. Thank you. Yeah. thank you. And so, I mean, of course, people – I'm going to link in the show notes. to got People will find your channel and all this stuff. But just as one last thing because I think this is the part of you that – I wanted to come at this almost because, like, you're a teacher. And I would imagine that there are people in your classes who are – you know, not really in any way considering themselves an artist. Maybe they're in that class because it's an easy credit. I don't know why they're there. But um, I'm thinking around, like, do you have something that you would encourage people who coming at it from how you connect with God through art? And maybe Uh it's something that people have never tried. Do you have something that could be like a simple... I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but do you have something that might be an exercise for people who aren't really artists? I'm, I I'm a dabbler, I'm, but I'm not a I'm not a fine artist. I'm not a visual artist at all. But uh-huh. is there something that you would encourage us, with your teacher hat on, to something we could try at home as just an exercise of getting away from our smartphones and can, trying to connect with God through doing something artistic? What could we do?
1: Um, well. I'm, I'm going to put my teacher hat on and I'm going to tell you that v- visuals, art, painting, photography, we can read an image 60,000 60, times faster than the word. Huh. So within the blink of an eye, you can train yourself just as a normal person, as, as a, um, a consumer, to be able to read what an image is trying to say. And so as a photography teacher, I I teach 180 kids a year. And I would say, you know, 10 of them are going to continue in photography. But what I try and do as a teacher is I try and explain that through the elements and the principles of design and through understanding how to look at an image and read the meaning behind it through the colors, the shapes, the form the unity, the harmony, through the actual elements within that piece, we can find what the message is. Mm. And so I think all you have to do is look outside at nature. Mm. God's hand is in creation. That's why he created it. He created us in his image to want to create, to have the desire to create um, because of the glory and the amazing nature that he created initially. And so I think as consumers in uh, Instagram image, um, this, this overpowering negative image environment that we have is that like every day, just try and reflect on God through an image, like a sunset through nature, through a good piece of art, through a picture of the narrative of Jonah and the whale, or, you know, one of the great biblical stories, but like try and train yourself to understand and to see God in an image and not from like a, you know, like a worshiping standpoint. Like I, I'm, I'm sort of, not suggesting that we put these images on an icon hierarchy where we're actually praising the image over who yeah. God is. But trying to experience God through the image, I think is is a powerful way because we can actually see who God is in a completely different way. Yeah, I love that. And so
0: yeah. Yeah. Finding that's a simple exercise to speak be intentional and say, I'm going to go find something to look at. And maybe that means I'm going to Google imagery from the Sistine Chapel. Maybe that means I'm going to, as you say, go out to a sunset, whatever it may be, Um, find something to look at, to consider God through a visual experience. That's cool. Okay, we'll do that. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. James, uh, I find you very interesting. I find you fascinating. I, I have a feeling that others will too. So, we're going to make sure that people can find you on the internet. But you have a few ways to be found. So, where would you want to send people?
1: Um, I mean, YouTube right now is probably my most consistent platform. Okay. Um, so, James Ruddle Artists on YouTube. Uh, but also, my Instagram is just James okay. Ruddle, at James Ruddle. I'm on Twitter as well. So.
0: Oh, are you a tweeter?
1: I, I can't, no. I'm not
0: into I'm not, it these days. It's too much. Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I'm not. There's so much garbage on Twitter. But, you know, there's there's a gem every once in a while.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, some people, it's their number one platform. But I, I'm not there myself. Anyways. Hey, James. Thanks so much. It's... Uh, I mean, I always enjoy our conversations. We've, we've gotten to know each other over the years and, and to work together a little bit and create projects. And I think that you've just really given people some stuff to chew on, but some really good like context. This is the teacher in you coming out as you've given us a, even a history lesson tonight, today. And so just, uh, just appreciate you and uh, can't wait to see what you create next.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on.
0: Well, thanks so much to James for that conversation. He's a creative collaborator on many projects with me, and I just now appreciate collaborating with him on a podcast and bringing you this kind of content week after week. Next week, we have Joy Egeridge-Reed. She's a speaker and literary agent who runs punchline speakers she's going to help us understand the world of professional speaking and christian publishing so maybe you dream of writing a book one day and getting a book deal from a publisher you have no idea how that even looks um, where you would begin with that or maybe you'd like to speak more and make that more a part of your professional life so joy is going to help give insight into that whole thing next week thanks so much to the partners that make word made digital possible here in season three i want you to join the 1500 young adults coming to the ninth annual fluid young adults gathering it's coming up real soon saturday march 7th in toronto so you can go to fluidgathering.com for more information and remember compassion is looking for volunteers in montreal ottawa toronto calgary and vancouver and so if you're looking to go to the sold out king king and country concert but you want to also get involved in serving the only way to get in is as you serve with compassion so go to email volunteer at compassion.ca you can go to the show notes for more information on that and of course thanks Also to Wycliffe College, my school, the the seminary that I went to, and whether you're looking for something full-time or just something on the side of the rest of your life, there's lots of options for you. Go to WycliffeCollege.ca slash Digital. You can see why I chose it and see if it's right for you. Okay. See you next week, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode rate it, and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.